Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, this is Ross Rameen, and thanks so much for joining us on this Thanksgiving week, um, which is always a very exciting time of year for everybody, also extremely stressful time for certain people in this world, um, and I guess for everybody, it's a little bit stressful of what goes on. Um, family members are coming over, turkeys are being burned, um, not you know trying new recipes out, you name it, and then you've got the other factor of... There's a lot of um, there's a lot of stress that goes with all that, and a lot of people drink a lot. A lot of people do a lot of drugs. Um, I know uh, when I was getting sober, I going through the holidays was was hard for me in the sense that it was I wasn't drinking and doing drugs because of the stressfulness of the whole thing. It was more everybody was back from school, from you know from vac- uh, from their jobs. They had time off. It was a huge party. So I really just want to um, just tell everybody, please be smart. If you've got loved ones out there um, that are struggling during this time of year, just keep an eye on them. Um, get, cut them a little bit of slack. Help them out a little bit. Um, try not to put them into real stressful situations. Um, that's more or less my my uh, my plea to people uh, for this holiday season. Anyway, we have a great show for you today. Uh, we have a woman on um, today. Her name is Belinda Farrell. Uh, she has a book called uh, Find Your Frickin' Joy. Belinda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's really an honor to be here. I, I'm happy to have you. I got to ask you, Find Your Frickin' Joy. How did you come up with that book title? <laughs> <laughs> I got to know. Well, it made, see, it made me laugh. It makes you laugh. It gets people out of their funk, and it really is a guidebook, a manual to digging deeper and finding that joy that's inside all of us if you're willing to do a little bit of um, excavation, so to speak. Yeah. No, I understand it. You, this book is, I want, there's so much that I want to get into. I, for the last couple of days, I've been going through all of your information, and you are... Um, you know, you are a spiritual healer, correct? Is that a, is that fair enough to if say? If you want to label it, I I like to feel that I help people get in touch with their spiritual sense, their soul purpose, um, the real heart of who they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. As I was reading your stuff, I really, I really found that you know I, I firmly believe that you know that there is a spiritual solution to anything and everything that we do in this world. Um, and when I came across your information and your techniques that you use, you know, a guy in my position, I get flooded with these new age ways, these old age ways, these, um, you know, ways that we do things that are, you know, valid in other countries, different societies, so on and so forth. And it's like, I just get flooded with these things constantly. And then I heard about yours. It's called Huna Healing. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Right. Yeah, Huna means secret. The word means secret. And these were the ancient secrets that the kahunas used to heal themselves or heal other people. And they didn't have any history of mental illness. So that's always a good sign. You know, something's working if there's no mental illness around. This is ancient Hawaiian uh, teachings, I should say. Yes, teachings, the right. healing, not much of a healing, but more of a teaching. The healing comes from it, ourselves, right? Right, exactly. And Max Freedom Long was a, the gentleman, he was a teacher that came to the islands um, in around 1917, and he was just coming there to teach, and he observed these um, very unusual healings, bones being put back together, just all kinds of things that he just thought, how do you do this? Where's the book about it? And there was no book. So he started to write down what he saw the kahunas doing. And it became, you know, a, a, 
And the liturgy, you know, lots of books that I studied based on his observations. He was there for 40 years. And I started doing them on myself, and I started to feel better. I mean, that's, that's really the proof is in the pudding. You know, how do you, how do you relate to that? And so I used these Huna teachings to heal my back without surgery. And this was about 20, over 20 years ago when doctors Let's talk told about me the, I, well, not to yeah. cut you off, but like before we get too far into that, let's let's give right. this some credibility really quick. Right. You collapsed with herniated discs, um, spinal mm-hmm. nerve damage, and paralysis. Um, right. You even had you even were born with scoliosis, correct? Right. I wore a belt for a couple of years. So what? Let let me kind of do a little backtrack here. How did you, and by the way, if you go to her website, it's hunahealing.com. It's H-U-N-A healing.com. And if you read um, her biography, it's, you, I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you're a pretty adventurous lady. Let me tell you, you are a stunt, you were a stunt car driver. Um, right. You have, I mean, the stuff that goes on and on. I mean, you drove stunt cars, 360s, 180s, um, on the drop of a coin. Um, what else <laughs> were, uh, I'm trying to go through my notes here. It just, because it went on well, and the, on the, and the on. The firewalking is what started it all with Tony Robbins. Oh, okay. Tony, Tony Robbins taught me how to firewalk among thousands of other people. And when you do a firewalk, it's almost like that's impossible, but your body does it and it does it safely. And then you say, well, gee, if I can walk on 2,000 degrees of hot coals, then what else could I do in my life that I'm not doing? And what came up for me is that I'd always wanted to drive a race car, but I didn't even know how to drive a stick shift at the time. So Tony just teaches you a mantra that says, if you can't, you must. And if you must, you will. So there was no can't. I just had to find out where I could learn how to drive a race car and sign up and show up. And then I found out I had a little talent. And then I got hired to drive for Buick and Cadillac in New York. And that's how it all started. Wow. Where were you before you, you know, obviously this firewalk, you know, did did something for you. I mean, it sparked mm-hmm. something inside of you. Where, describe where you were at, you know, emotionally, spiritually before that happened. Why did you, I mean, everybody has, you obviously, you're, you're a healer. Yeah. You became an expert in something. I have my own story of how I got into it. Where were you at before all this happened to, to get like, where, yeah, where were you at? Yeah. I mean, well, to, to, to provoke this. Because, I was always being confined. I was, you know, I was raised in a Catholic convent. I was finally expelled from Catholic school because, you know, of some ridiculous thing that I walked home with a boy. At that time, the nuns just didn't want the girls associating sure. with boys. That was the time that was in. I was married to an orthopedic surgeon for 18 years, had two children, but I was always the good girl, always doing what everybody expected me to do and, and really not flying out on my own. At 40 years of age, I got a divorce, and that's when everything, kind of the cage door was open and I could explore. So the first thing I explored was this firewalking, and I had never heard of it before, but I was going to this unity church or science of mind and the the minister was a woman. I'd never even seen a, um, a woman up in the pulpit. I've always seen priests, you know, so it was all just very different. And I thought, well, if she can do this, so can I. And I started the firewalks with Tony Robbins. So I had so many fears locked up inside of me that I just didn't know where to begin. I just knew that firewalking sounded like if I could do that, then maybe I could do some other things. And that's how it started. And the firewalking led to the race car driving. But my biggest fear was that of the water. And I never even admitted to Tony Robbins that I was afraid of water. I, I just let that kind of be buried. I was humiliated by not being able to swim or being in the water. And then later on, you know, when I turned 50, I, I show up in Hawaii to do um, more training in hypnosis just because I was fascinated as to why people do what they do and how to overcome fear because I had overcome so much of it. But there I was surrounded by water. I had to face that really predominant fear. 
And then I got introduced to the dolphins. The dolphins and the whales, which I've never thought of in my life before, started coming to me in my dreams. And my desire to be out, to be with them, oversaw the fear that I had of the water. And so there I was, you know, wanting to go meet the dolphins, and so I had to overcome the fear of the water. And so now, for the last 25 years, I've been taking people to swim with the wild spinner dolphins and face their fear of the water like I did. That was huge. That was probably the biggest fear that I had. And I swim in the ocean now all the time in Hawaii. Yeah. What do you... How how do you... How do you gauge yourself? I mean, you walk on fire. Okay, I get that. I've known a lot of people to do that. To do that, yeah. and it's you know, and and I and I've I've had some experience with this um, type of things. But you know, one of the things that I really want to know is how do you take one success and make another success out of it? Does that make sense? I, I, how do you mm-hmm. take one accomplishment and keep the ball rolling? You know, it's like, how do you, that's my biggest thing that I am really struggling with when I work with my clients. It's like getting people to really see, wow, you just accomplished, you know, for you, firewalking. And then you went on to another thing. Like, how do you keep that momentum rolling? Well, one of the advantages that I have is that I am a fire sign. I'm an Aries. Sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the the event or what you're doing, but I know it has helped me because I'm very much motivated to be solution-oriented. I always have to find, how do I get out of this if I'm in trouble? How can I... How can I prevent this from happening? How can I move forward? I always want to move forward. And I know some people retreat. They just want to go back. And I've noticed that a lot of water signs, people that are born Pisces or or they're born in the Cancer month, they tend to be in their water, which is where the emotions are stored. And if you haven't solved a lot of your emotional problems, they're still looming inside of you. And if you're especially water, it feels like you're drowning in emotions. And it's harder for those people to, to get motivated. That's just been my observation. It's not in every case. Does that answer a little bit? I mean, I'm just yeah. constantly But there's a lot of people that myself. don't understand, like, you talk to me, I don't know anything about these signs. I know I'm a Capricorn. That's about it. And on my birthday, okay. I read what my day is. You know, that's something that my mom always had right. me do. You know, I pick up the Chicago Tribune because I'm from Chicago. And you read January 12th, <laughs> you know, Capricorn, ba ba da ba da You read it. But what, how do you make it so that it's like you, like for yourself, I, I mean, the best way to do it is, or the best way to explain it is like you went from, you're born in a convent. Um, yeah. You well, were shamed. Raised, with, raised in a convent. Not raised, born there, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> raised yeah. by nuns. Yeah. And, Who's the yeah. sinner now? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're raised in a convent. Um, not born in one. Um, you <laughs> shamed because you walked home with a boy back in that day and age, which is, you know, you're a sinner. So, you're, you know, you're, right. you're in a lot of trouble now. Um and um, you were constantly, you were in a marriage that obviously was not beneficial to you um, spiritually and emotionally. Um, you left it yes. after, I think, 18 years, you said. Yes. And, then, and, um, and you were just, you were kind of suffocated. So then you well, have. You know, but I was also born very joyful. I was born a happy child. Mm-hmm. And because I remember always you know, feeling bad for people that I saw that were less fortunate. My grandpa would give me um, an allowance, and I would turn around and give it to a homeless person. I did that a lot, you know, but I'd constantly be making your allowance as a kid to a homeless person. Yeah, sometimes homeless people would come and knock on our door, and my grandmother would want to shish them away, and I would go get my allowance and hand it over to them. It just, it just tore my heart out to see somebody that was um, needy or, you know, looked like they were suffering. Wow. Wow. I remember doing that at five years old. 
five years wow. of age. And then my grandmother would say, oh, he's just acting. He's just acting. He's really not that way. He'll, he'll, he'll straighten up as he moves out. And I remember looking at this one guy who was all bent over and watching him walk away. He never straightened up. He was the real thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you just never forget things like that. Yeah. And I, I, I remember the nuns calling my mother and saying, you know, she is too joyful. You have to make her suffer more. And what? that was an issue. Yeah, I was, I was a happy kid, and they were trying to knock that out of me and make me suffer more. So I never quite bought into that philosophy. <laughs> and so finally, at eighth grade, I got um, booted out, miraculously. <laughs> You know, that's such an amazing thing to think of. It's, you know, I mean, I, I went to Catholic school only for a few years. I had, I had one nun that was just brutal. I mean, brutal. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was just like, how are you, you know, and I, I see this as a problem with a lot of things that we have going on here now. It's like, how do you get people involved in the Catholic religion when that's your experience with it? Um, how do you get people involved with um, with anything from getting sober from drugs and alcohol, if they are shamed, if they are belittled, if they are made to feel embarrassed by what their situation is, how do you, I mean, it's just, a, it's a constant thing. It's, we're always expecting something different. When, but you know, when I have we, a best friend, Ross. I have a best mm-hmm. friend who went to Catholic school all the way through to even her college, and she had a phenomenal time. She loved the nuns. She just, she flourished in that kind of environment. So we are best friends, and I, you know, I hear her story, and that was her experience, and, you know, and I had mine. But I think we all have to go through these things because, again, we have some kind of destiny or we have some DNA records that we brought in from our ancestors that we have to heal from, yeah. from that kind of lineage. And that's where we go into this self-forgiveness process that I learned from the Hawaiians. And well, I do let, it constantly. Get, i, I got to jump to a quick commercial break real quick. I want to get okay. really more into this Huna healing uh, once we come back from our commercial and really get into, um, you know, spiritual survival skills, what this Huna healing really does for you and how you get through it. So we'll be okay. right back. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Um, this is Ross Ramin. We are on the we are talking with Belinda Farrell uh, today. She has a book called Find Your Frickin' Joy. I love just saying it, Belinda. Um, you can find <laughs> out more information about Belinda at Huna, H-U-N-A, healing.com. And uh, 
you know, Belinda is, I was, you know, thinking about it during the break. There is, there are so many spirit, you know, I, I live in Los Angeles, so there's always a new spiritual, you know, guru, knucklehead, whoever they might be out there, <laughs> you know, that's just, you know, and so, and I know there's probably some people that are listening. They're like, oh, great. Just another spiritual quote unquote person. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what is right and what is wrong um, in this world for, you know, spirituality, religion. I, I don't know. I don't know what, poli- you know, politics, spirituality, religion, um, any of this stuff. I, loving man, loving a woman, I, I, I don't know what's right or wrong. All I know what is right for myself, uh, what right. makes me um, tick, um, what makes somebody else tick is not really my business. Um, as long as they're happy, um, and they're yeah. not, um, they're not being mean to me personally, I don't care what you do. I mean, honestly, as long as you're being a productive person in society, as long as you are living to the full potential that you were created to have, um, and whoever you believe created you, that's you know that's all i care about i that you can sit at my dinner table it doesn't make a difference as long as you do that yeah Um, that's the that's the cohesiveness of being connected to everything where you are kind and you're compassionate and you you feel the you know the cohesiveness to all that there is mm -hmm. and when you can be in that you know, that spirit or that circle of life, then you, I, I believe, become joyful. You're connected. Yeah. Religion separates people. It says, you're this, I'm that. That's a separation. Mm-hmm. It's not happy. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not um, what I think we were intended to be. And spirituality, I don't know, I hope it doesn't have on the same connotation, but being connected to your spirit is to what your soul level knows is right, what, what you feel fulfilled or accelerated onto your soul path. What and, is spirituality? And you're doing things that you love. You yeah. know, and when you're in that place, then you're spiritually connected to your spirit and to perhaps others around you. So that's really what I believe. Um, finding your joy is finding your truth. And yeah. getting rid of you, all of the cobwebs that are surrounding that from past memories and all of the things that block you, your fears, your angers, your hurts, your sadness. When that melts away, this friggin' joy comes up, bubbles up like a geyser and overflows into your life and into everybody else's life. What Are people born spiritual or is it something that they create for themselves? I think... I, I really do believe that we, you know, we've been here before and we, we come back to finish what we didn't finish in the past life or past lives. So some people come a little more advanced than others in their soul department. Some people come very, um, you know, they're, they're beginners. So maybe they're born in, in other countries where they have to get out of victimhood and find you know, find their strength, find their courage. We're all different. And how are we different is from the DNA and the memories that we have stored inside of us. And yeah. I believe that the whole, your whole life is moving through all that garbage from the past and rising yourself up to this, you know, ability to see, see beauty through your eyes regardless of what is happening in the world. Yeah, I firmly believe that, you know, first of all, I think you can be spiritual and religious at the exact same time. Um, Mm -hmm. I also believe that I think everybody is born um, at a a spiritual level that is like through the roof. I I think everybody is to a whole nother level when they're born. Um, You know, it's a spiritual event that's happening and then I almost look at it, it's like either how you were raised with the parents, um, society, teachers, whatever it is, almost, yeah. you know, kind of tries to put a snuffer on it. Like you're snuffing out a candle, so to say, and dims that light because you, because as an infant, and granted, you have no control over this, you start um, 
you know, this is how you're supposed to do life through your mom's eyes, your dad's eyes, your teacher's eyes, society's eyes. And it's not until you get, you know, kind of get out of the nest, so to say, that you can reopen again um, and really kind of find your, as I always say to people, you know, spirituality is finding your personal rhythm when you are able to go through this world and really tap into all your strengths, all your intelligence. Um, I don't think you could ever possibly get into all of it. Um, I think we are way mm-hmm. too powerful and way too deep mm-hmm. in order to do that. Um, and I think people will always have a little bit of doubt about what they can and can't do, no matter how much success they actually have. Um I really think it's a neat thing, and I think you're, and I want to get into this now, what Huna Healing is, but I think from reading this, uh, what you do can really um, kind of provoke it, um, wake it up, you know, your inner spiritual Mm -hmm. child, person, whatever, that light that glows inside of each of us, I think that can, I think this is a, a great way, it might not be a great way for everybody, but I think it's a yeah. great way for a lot of people to really like reignite ourselves of what we were born with already. Um, so yeah, can you tell I, us a little bit about the Huna Healing and how this works and who is it ideal for? Well, it, I guess ideally it's for people who want to take an active role in their own healing. When I was a stunt car driver, I was making lots of money based on you know how much danger I was having to put myself through. And then when my back collapsed and I couldn't walk, I couldn't sit, I mean, it was, it was over. <laughs> to say my, I was also modeling, that was over too. I couldn't walk on the ramp, couldn't put any shoes on. My insurance was dropped. So I had no insurance whatsoever. And the doctors were telling me that I had to have surgery or else I wouldn't walk again. And I had been learning this HUNA for about three years and and doing it really basically other people, not on myself. And I thought, well, I have to really see if this works. And the proof is in the pudding, right? So I started to get to work of going inside and pulling up memories that I was putting lids on and trying not to, you know, just be distracted so I wouldn't feel them. That's what a lot of addiction is about. So you don't feel, you numb yourself. Um, I never drank, but I was always active, you know, doing something else, doing, 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 never listening, never quieting my mind and going inside and listening to answers. Never so listening had, to who? Was, pardon? Never listening, never listening to who? To you me, said you were, to, to you. guidance, to, to guidance. You, you get guidance when you quiet your mind. There's, you know, answers can come through to you um, when you're just quiet and not distracted by music and advertisings and, you know, all of that other stuff. You actually can hear answers. When I swim with the dolphins, I ask them questions. I get back answers like a hologram. It's like telepathic. It comes back and they give you answers to long questions that you've had it's it's amazing but we can do that later but i want to tell you about huna (laughs) so i i started working on myself with the huna i i took some codeine from an osteopath to get out of the pain because i you can't concentrate on healing when you're in so much pain and so the codeine helped to counteract that and then memories started to come up and and i was breathing. I, this is all in the book, you know, the, the recipe and the formula. And so I started to, you know, to actually feel these things coming up. And they were frightening in the beginning. It, it really was. There's, there's one incident, it's on page 109, where this baby was thrown out into an abyss, you know, in the universe, like a piece of garbage. And I, I knew I was that baby. I felt like I was dying. And I was trying to dodge all these asteroids just curled up in a little ball until finally some hands, these healing hands, picked me up and put me in the arms of this very, um, I, I don't know who it was, but it was a creature, <laughs> maybe a lady, I don't know, in long flowing robes, but it felt very benign, very um, healing that I was in these arms. 
and then I could watch all of the chaos below me. And when that happened, it was though I felt I needed to find out about my birth. So I approached my mother and finally asked her and got her to talk to me, and she admitted that she and my father had taken me to three abortion clinics to try to get me aborted. And so I was a failed attempt at those abortions. And so the fetus was the one feeling that she was being thrown away. And that's what I was storing inside of me. I was always trying to earn people's love, trying to be the good girl, trying to do everything I could do so that somebody would love me and keep me instead of throwing me away. And when that's at the basic, at the root of your existence, you you work hard to have love. You're just not love yourself, but you're working to have somebody love you. That's not real love. So at that moment that I was picked up by those hands, I felt complete acceptance, complete unconditional love, and I just totally relaxed, and the healing began. And then I could start to concentrate on what I would do if I had a strong back, because your unconscious mind is the part of you that is running your body, and it's listening to you like a computer. And so all my life I had told myself, I I can't... I can't support myself. Somebody else has to support me. I can't support myself. So when you're saying that to the part of you that's running your body, your spine, which supports you, eventually collapses. So that was why the weakness, I came in with that weakness into a family who had been had gone through the Depression and had always had very little money. So I grew up with that feeling that there's not enough, that I can't, you know, take care of myself until I shifted that thought. And I said, well, of course I can stand up for myself. Of course I can take care of myself. Thank you for remembering how to be supportive and flexible. So I started saying different things to my spine. And when you start to reverse that, because your mind is the one that's in charge, then the file can come up of the memories and you can put closure on them and clear it from the pipeline. And I hadn't talked about the higher self yet, but the higher self is something that we all have. It's at the top of our heads, but it can't come in unless we ask it to come in. And so when I cleared the pipeline, then the desire to climb trees again, because you have to have a strong back to climb trees, was given from my unconscious all the way up the pipeline to the higher self. And then the higher self comes in and heals your physical body so that you can and indeed climb trees again. And I healed within about four days of doing all of that work. It was 24-7. I was in bed and bringing up memories and breathing and doing all of this and seeing myself climbing these trees. And my scoliosis went away. The the back just completely healed. It was though somebody had, had given me millions of dollars and I just won the lottery. It was amazing. I had no pain. It it was just incredible. Wow. That's I mean I Yeah. That that's that's mind blowing I mean, I don't even know really what to say about that. Um I hear a lot of amazing stories and I see a lot of miracles on a daily basis. Um you know, just working in the industry that I work in, um a lot of people just you know, you know, kids come in here and they, you know, they they come and tell us that my dad literally shot my mom. My grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, took me in after my both my parents died in a car crash. They decided they didn't want me anymore, anymore and they put me on the street. I mean, your story mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's as equal to those. It's, I mean, being, you know, attempted, you know, your parents, and I say this in due respect, you know, three mm-hmm. abortions and you didn't die. Um, I know. I, I must have fought a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's. I, I don't understand that. I mean, I mean, well, what are I the chances the of that one, happening? They, they said she was too far along, and so they just wouldn't do it. They refused. So I mean, she but had to even go that through. is. I mean, holy. I mean, to get. I mean, for the first two not to roll. I mean, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. And then you go through four days of just basically twenty four hours a day. You know, just you know, working on yourself. I mean, turning yourself literally inside out. Um, yeah. That's unbelievable. Um, 
Well, you know, I, I really I wanted, wanted to heal, Ross. <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like you were yeah. you were beat up. Yeah, you didn't even know how beat well, up you, know, you were. When when you are lying in bed, and my son is the one who picked me up off the floor and put me in bed. He saw me go through the paralysis and all of the pain, and then saw me heal. And then he had two back surgeries. He had two failed back surgeries because remember his his dad was an orthopedic surgeon. So he's into the Western medicine and we have to fix what's broken and we have to go inside and we have to tear it up and we have to sew it back together. He was not willing to do any of the, the work that I, that I did to heal myself. He wasn't in that place. Some people are just not ready for that. And, you know, you can't fault people. That's just where they are. Yeah. And my son eventually took his life from the pain. Really? From these surgeries. Yeah. Wow. He was from having too much of the pain medication, and he finally just couldn't take it anymore. It was the oh, worst thing a mother has to go through is to lose a son, lose a I child. I can't imagine. Oh, my gosh. Um, Belinda, listen, I don't want to cut it short right now, but, um, you know, we have to go to a quick commercial. I want to get more into this of... Um, of just what you do and where you've been. And I know, you know, coming into this conversation for me, what I, I had a very different mindset about what people can accomplish, what this Huna healing was. Um, and I just, I, w- I want to know more. Um, okay. So we're going to take a, a really quick break and um, thanks so much for being so honest with us and sharing those details. I know there were, there are people that are listening that are, they're like, wow, if this woman can do it, so can I. Um, so we'll be right back. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're on the phone with uh, Belinda Farrell. Um, her website is hunahealing.com, and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebost Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to the power to create yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. Uh, We're on with Belinda Farrell. Um, Belinda, I just had my world rocked um, in the last segment that we just did. I came into this as I do with most things, and I I don't know why this always surprises me so much, but I always come to when I do these um, when I do these shows, when I meet with clients, families, I go in having a agenda, um, you know, my legal pad of notes that I'm going to write down, and I have since thrown that out now. Um, just by, I wanted this really conversation to be a, you know, what kind of what you do. But it's almost turning into what you have done for yourself. Your story is so, I mean, it's just, 
nuts for just to, I mean, and I'm not doing this to kind of stick a, you know, a knife into the wound, but just to kind of recap so people can kind of grasp what you have accomplished, which I think in turn gives your healing methods so much more credibility in the sense of you, you, you collapse with herniated discs, um, spinal nerve damage, you had uh, paralysis, um, and healed from that with no surgery. The scoliosis that you were born with has disappeared. Mm-hmm. But even before that, when you were a fetus, you went to have your family, your parents attempted three abortions, which none of them obviously turned out um, turned out at all. You are walking, living, breathing, thriving woman. Um, you have written a book um, called "Find Your Frickin' Joy," <laughs> and um, you are you 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 are a stunt car driver. Um, you've walked across two thousand eighteen times. You've walked across coals that are two thousand degrees. Um, your son, God, God bless him, um, committed suicide. Correct. Yeah. Um, and and which to any parent, any mother, has got to be the most soul shattering rock and roll. I mean, just I can't even imagine what that did to your core. Um, well, and how did you? Yeah. Get out of that. I mean, just forget about everything else. Just losing yeah. your son. How how do you get out of that? How do you get out of that well, funk? Well, for the longest time, I, it just dragged me down. I could barely function. And then all my money got taken away in a Ponzi scheme, and so I was Let's left that with really list. nothing. Oh, God. And <laughs> I, but I had a daughter. I have a daughter, a wonderful daughter. And she took me in, and I took care of our grandson, um, you know, just to kind of pay my keep and, and just started kind of trying to build myself up. But I was pretty messed up. Um, but thank goodness I had the forgiveness process, and I kept saying these words to myself, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. I would say that over and over and over again. So that Who are you I saying could, that to? Yes. Are you saying that to yourself? Yes. What yes. part of yourself? Well, it's the part that you connect to your higher self. You're forgiving yourself for the way that you're looking at what happened to you in your life. The, the Hawaiians called it um, cords that are attached to us emotionally. They're called aka. And so if you can imagine um, recording tape, Every time you make a negative thought about yourself, you cord yourself with this tape. And if you don't know how to melt away those cords or neutralize them, these tapes build up over lifetimes and you're just saturated. You're like a mummy dressed up in cords or like the inside of a golf ball. And that's heavy to drag that around, like dragging around a sack of potatoes. And so the huna is about forgiving yourself from those perceptions and by saying those words it neutralizes the playing field there the 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 painful memories of of the persons and places and things you've done in the past because the intellect can't solve them it just manages those as you go through life and it's not any way to solve the problems so you just give those away to your divine self you say i'm sorry I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And then I just kind of sometimes see the person, the place, or the thing floating away. Whatever's coming up, whatever's coming up from your reservoir of past memories, um, it just, it's up for you to either push back down or it's up for you to get closure on it and let them go. How do you let them go? You just say, you know, you created them. Because everything is a film from your eyes, from, from behind your eyes. So you're the director and the producer and the script writer. You don't even know you're so creating it. you're constantly it. changing the script. You don't even know you're creating it. I mean, is no, that, you don't. That, that's, that's valid to say. I mean, you don't even know that you're digging a hole. Exactly. 
Exactly. You have no idea that you have to. Yeah, you have no idea that you're but literally once, digging a hole for yourself. You, I mean, right? But it just once just shows how unattached it, we are to ourselves. Yeah, but then you get conscious of it, of how you created it, and then say, "Wow, if I created it, then maybe I can uncreate it." If you take personal responsibility for that, then then you have the power to undo it. If you defer it to somebody else, say, you know, it wasn't my fault, I'm blaming him, blaming their victimhood cannot heal this. You have to take 100% responsibility for everything in your life. That's the first um, stage of HUNA. Mm-hmm. But when you say, I'm sorry, I love you, something divine happens. Um, the divinity takes the painful thought, neutralizes it, um, and it just... It just you, you have a clean slate then to begin again. The energy is neutralized and it gets released. It goes into this kind of uh, purple-black space. Hawaiians called it uh, the, um, the EO. I think people call it the void. Buddhists call it the void, um, the Akashic. It just neutralizes it in that place of, of creation and you get to begin again and you want to neutralize all this stuff because you have things to do you have you have more creative ideas that take energy and you can't use that energy for those creative ideas if you're still invested in what happened to you in the past so visualizing or feeling yeah. I'll just have you, for right now, if there's anything like a thorn in your side right now, if you can visualize or see them down below you, you're up on a platform looking mm-hmm. down below you like on a stage, and you're going to make it very small. You can close your eyes when you do it, or you can leave them open. It's fine. And then you just, you just see the cords that have connected you to that person, that place, or that thing. Take a deep breath. And then just say the words, I love you, I'm sorry, I forgive you, thank you. You're not forgiving the event. The event happened. It's nothing you can do. The past is the past. What you're forgiving yourself is for the way your agenda is now holding on to that story. Do you understand? I totally do. Yeah. So it's it's all about you. And so when you say, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you, it'll neutralize those cords. And then I see sometimes I take a a knife or scissors and then spin it around me so that it cuts the cords. And then I actually see or feel those people or that event just floating away. And you're back to point one again, square one. You know, it's funny. If you can, and I tell my clients this all the time. If you can visualize the boogeyman in your closet when you're a kid, you know, why can't you visualize, you know, and you literally think that pile of clothes in your closet is the boogeyman. <laughs> you know, it's literally the scariest. It's got teeth and it's got claws and it's the scariest thing on the planet. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean you can continue. I mean, you can still have those negative, those fearful visualizations as your adults. You can, you know, you can constantly um, cut yourself short. You can constantly look at yourself in the mirror and see a totally different person. Our mind is so powerful. Um, It's just, it's mind blowing. So why can't you just do exactly what you just described to us and do a total switcheroo? I mean, it's, we have to be able to. I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that. You, that's the only, I mean, you can know that you have a drug or alcohol problem. You can know that you need to lose 50 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever it is. You can know that your husband or your wife is toxic for you. Your job is toxic for you. I mean, the list can go on and on and on, but it's until you truly accept that. And with acceptance, I find that, you know, I'm a... You know, I was a straight-up cocaine addict. I mean, at one point, I was eighteen hundred dollars a day of doing oh my cocaine, God. and oh my God. yeah, no, just I was living in just. I mean, it was just mind blowing. 
But I had to start visualizing myself being a, you know, in my first job I had uh, when I got uh, straight was I was a landscaper. I had, I I pictured myself on a daily basis being the best landscaper I could be. And then I became a Mm -hmm. chemical dependency counselor and I pictured myself just being second to none. And when I speak to people, I, I, I look at myself is just, is, is just the best. And I do, and I, and I think it's important for people to really understand you know, we only got a couple minutes left, so I want to make oh. sure we get these points in. Uh, I know our time's going by quick today. Is Why? You don't look at this stuff as, like, you're kind of full of yourself because you can, you know, there's good ego and bad ego um, to really, you know, you don't look at yourself like I'm the best and you beat your chest. It's more of a, it's more of a confidence, like, you know what? Nope. Yeah, nobody is better than me, but that's because I'm me, <laughs> and that's it's not a it's not a status type of a thing. If you can follow that, um, it's mind blowing. Um, we've been talking today with Belinda Farrell. Belinda has written a book called uh, "Find Your Freaking Joy," uh, which I just absolutely adore the name of the book. Um, she, Belinda, you have proven um, over this past hour what you can achieve uh, when you are dealt bad cards constantly or quite a bit. Um, You have come out on top um, and you have had a lot of success underneath your belt. And I highly recommend that um, you go um, check out our website, hunahealing.com. That's H-U-N-A healing.com. You can find her book. Um, what am I missing here, uh, Belinda, in the, in the last couple well, minutes that we have? I just wanted to give credence to the, the process, the forgiveness process of the Hawaiians. It's called Ho'oponopono, to make right right. And that's literally what you're doing inside of yourself. You're making things right two times so that you can begin again. And it's a simple process. You just have to do it. And if you even just say the words, you're going to feel better and you know, that's the whole thing. The whole point is finding your joy inside. That's wonderful. Well, Belinda, I can't thank you enough for the time that we've had today. It means the world to me. Um, I hope this thank helps you. people um, in their own struggles, in their own, uh, you know, life. And they're trying to, they just know, people just know that they should be living a different life. I'm convinced of it. Um, and it's hard getting there. But I think this is, you know, this might not be the right you know, path for everybody, but it's another proof and evidence that there are so many ways to get to your, um, to your authentic self and to your best self. Um, so please check it out. Hunahealing.com. Belinda, it's been a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Mahalo, mahalo, mahalo. (laughs) Thank you, dear. Everyone, thanks for joining us today. I'm Ross Fermin. This is The Power to Create Yourself. You can find me at Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. That is our website. Uh, We appreciate you being with us. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, Be well. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week.